Hello, hello, fellow humans. Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast. My name is Flip Manning. I am your host, and I'm thrilled to be joining my guest today on the podcast. Now, he's a man that's really made a bit of a splash, not just here in Australia, but also internationally. And I know we're going to have a lot to talk about because I think we've both crossed over into that US uh, business territory. And I think you're going to get a lot out of today's episode, especially if you are looking at chasing a goal, going down that entrepreneur path. So without further ado, let me introduce my wonderful guest for today, Fred Shabesta. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for inviting me on, Flick. And guys, this is a great podcast. Great idea. Stay subscribed. This is where it's at. Oh, thank you. Love it. Love starting that with a plug. I really appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. Um, now, Fred, you have you are the co-founder of Finder. So that's a really, really big platform. I know you're doing a lot of really amazing stuff with that. And your mission really is to make the world a better place in some small way. Has that sort of been a driving force for you for your entire life? Has that always been something that you've thought about? You know, I, I've, um, at first, I don't think I was able to see that broadly. You know, I was very focused in the weeds and in the detail. And, you know, I was just climbing a tree. I couldn't quite see the forest. And, you know, I didn't kind of really know the impact that was making to the, to the world. Mm-hmm. And I think it just takes time to reflect and understand those things. And over time I realized, you know, actually what we're doing, you know, at Finder, particularly in building that business, mm-hmm. you know, I think it makes the world a better place because it, it better, what we're trying to do there is we're trying to better all the world's decisions and decisions are what, you know, people um, determines where they go in their life. Right. It determines that's the only thing you've got is your choices. Mm-hmm. for sure you know and everything you've got and experience i think is, is a product of your choices I, I think you know deep down i think there is a single mom who's a wedding dressmaker and she just she just wanted to she just needs 300 dollars to 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 buy that sewing machine so she can go she goes online she saves some money on her health insurance she saves some money on her car insurance and she gets that extra money which allows her to buy that you know, that sewing machine to make that wedding dress so that you can get that $600. So when it comes to Christmas time mm-hmm. and she gets to buy her son that bike, you know, yeah. and I just think in some small way, we help and contribute to those decisions. And, 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 and if, if anything, we can inform people and educate them more to make better decisions. I, I think we're going to make the world, you know, in some small way, a better place. Yeah. I love that. I love that ideology as well. That's so true. We are very much a product of the choices that we make. Um, and it is all those sort of micro decisions that we make daily that add up to kind of what our entire life becomes. And if you can kind of get in there and help people to improve that or to give them more options, a broader set of choices, then certainly you're impacting the world in a a more positive light. So is that kind of what inspired you really to create Finder with your co-founder? Was it that idea of just creating more choices for people? You know, I, I think in the beginning, I, I confess, we, we weren't as enlightened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's been 10 years now of, of building the business. In the start, you know, we just wanted to, to be honest, I just wanted to figure out a way to rank number one in Google for credit card as a keyword, right? Um, and, and then I thought, okay, well, 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 that's a great mission as a goal. You know, anyone can have whatever goal you want. And I thought, okay, well, how are we going to achieve that? You know, what are we actually going to do? You know, we built need to build a website. So what's this website going to be about? 
And then I thought about our past experience. So Frank and I built another company and we were highly frugal. We lived on like tin spaghetti. And it, was, it, was a, it was a tough business. We built websites and we sold them. And anyone who does that, that's a tough business to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, but from that frugality, I realized that everything we did was a very uh, informed and, and frugal decision to save money here, to not spend money there, to spend money like this, you know, we worked out what days of the week were cheaper for petrol. We figured out how to get the lowest phone plan we possibly can. I don't think we paid for our car, a comprehensive car insurance. We only had CTP at the time, you know, all these kinds of things all stacked up and that's what enabled us to personally survive and endure. And I think what we did was we just started writing about that, just Mm -hmm. writing about those experiences and a lot of, the content in the beginning was just us writing how we would make this this choice or this decision and explaining the parts around it that would go on to inform someone about how they could go and make that decision as well. So we started in credit cards because I lived on a credit card Mm -hmm. in the beginning. You know, I used to put all my expenses for the month on my credit card and then we would get paid $1,500 a month. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'd slowly be able to pay it, pay that off, and I and I would um, survive. And we kept on going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, you know, it's not the easiest way to live, but um, we had to just do what we could do, because I mean, you know we're putting everything into the business. So I guess that external condition gave us that. And then the other part is we've always believed in informing and educating. Just I don't know, it comes from our old school direct marketing days where we would put out lots of information. And inform people in those days, we used to inform people about how to internet market, how to market their business, right? Right. And because that's, 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 that's what we learned to do. We knew, and so we thought, okay, well, let's teach this. So we just took that same mindset and that same methodology and we brought it to finance. And, and I think that's where it sort of began. And um, we just, you know, it's a, I think it's a good formula. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love how sort of your current business, you know, Finder itself, sort of came as a redirect from the experiences that you actually had doing something completely different. And I think that's, mm. that's so often um, a, a mark of true entrepreneurship is that ability to, you know, walk down one path, but then sort of realize that what you actually are learning has informed a better path <laughs> and mm. taking that route yep. and then kind of sticking to that one that you started with sort of being able to actually pivot or move and, and have that ability to sort of, uh, objectively see that there's something of value outside of your original plan. Um, and yeah. so it was the same co-founder that you had for both businesses. Is that correct? Uh, I actually started with another, um, uh, someone else, another of my, my friends and he wanted to go else, you know, to do something else. Mm-hmm. And then um, Frank came and joined me in 2003. Right. Um, and, and, and so we've been working with each other for 17 years which is actually longer than I was married, which is, um, you know, I have two marriages and the second one's still going. <laughs> Good. Well done. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, cool. Um, now, I love that you've said here, we, we do some sort of pre-screening questions, of course, like every other sort of podcast. And one of your, your answers uh, when I sort of asked about what your non-negotiables are in life. I'm always very curious about people's non-negotiables. And you said that you will not accept mediocrity. And that's a really broad Mm. statement to make. So how do you 
find your way between mediocrity and perfection? Because I know sometimes leading towards perfection can be quite self-sabotaging, particularly in a business mode. Sometimes you've just got to move forward. So what, what is your kind of line in the sand uh, where you know that you've gone far enough that it's no longer mediocrity, but it's enough to kind of actually launch something or push it live? Yeah, so we, we have a we have a, a third values. There's five values of Fonda. The third one is go live. Mm-hmm. And, and that means we have a bias to putting things live on the internet. And, and just like your question, the question then becomes is, what is the quality that we will accept to go live? Yeah. And, and the answer we set on that is quality is compliance to requirements. Right? Right. And so, the, 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 so let's just say if we're talking about a news article, well, a news article is on a news if it gets out quick and it's on in the moment, right? So, so the quality is, is probably, it's still as high as you possibly could make it, but it's more about the speed and delivery, right? So quality changes there. Whereas let's take an engineering project. Well, you can't just not work. You know, quality must be set higher. Um, and I think in, in, in when it comes to engineering and product these days, in the beginning, we, we sort of just got things out there and got things live to, to survive. And now, you know, we've sort of changed that and we've really raised the bar of quality. We've raised the bar so that quality is more important than the time it takes to get out. We're still concerned about how long it takes, but I, I always think there's sort of three things you can pick up, right? You can pick up time, you can pick up quality, and you can pick up price. Mm-hmm. And right now, you know, not what, what's not negotiable and what's, what's started to become not negotiable is the, is the standard we set in terms of quality Um, and and so mediocrity in my mind is where you compromise and you don't deliver right Mm -hmm. you don't you 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 compromise on your values and your standards that you're setting whereas and i think perfectionism is on the other hand is you know you're setting the bar it can always be higher you can always set the bar higher but it's once you set the bar and you deliver on that bar it's about going okay that's enough we're going live and we're going to get some feedback. And that's the difference at Finder. We, we put our things live and then we get feedback. So it's scary here, you know, mm-hmm. putting your workings out there, you know, it's like running outside naked, you know, and getting feedback, you know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, Oh, you get some feedback pretty quick, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> but normally, normally the feedback you get when you do this is, uh, centered around the features that the customer is more concerned with than what the, what our internal team is concerned with. There's normally a dissonance between the two and that gap is what you want to understand. You want to actually know what does the customer care about? Like it's probably not that feature that you were worried about. It's actually this other feature that you've probably aced and they're actually really happy and it's actually more important to promote it potentially. But you know, that that's, that's, that's the, that's the input we want as fast as possible. That makes a lot of sense. And is that sort of in terms of the values that you were talking about, they're inherent, obviously, in that, you know, idea of mediocrity and and what is worth pushing live. Is this something that is an extension of you and your personality and how you live your personal life as well? Or is this something that kind of you've crafted um, from a business perspective? You know, I was obviously very much part of the, the first few people we hired. And mm-hmm. I'd say at least the first 50 people we hired of Finder personally. So, you know, I, I guess I was, I inputted and, and affected the company in that way. But, you know, when we chose these values, we really just looked at the people that were there and went, okay, what do we all, you know, feel? What do we all value? And 
going live was one of those. You know, we celebrate going live at Finder. That is that is an honor. That yeah. is a that is one of the highest honors you can do. Is is you've done all the work, you've completed all the requirements, and you've put this out to the internet for someone to see. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, so I think it's partly me because of the recruitment, mm-hmm. sure. But at the same time, it, it's in the people here. Finder Finder crew get stuff done. Yeah. We we have a bias to putting things live on the internet. Yeah, I love that. Now, obviously, inherent in putting anything live, and I know obviously from my own personal experience as an entrepreneur and even as a performer, that when you put things live and obviously you've done all of that work, you wouldn't have pushed it live unless you thought it met all of those values and those criteria. But sometimes you do push things live in life and you don't get the response that you're actually looking for. You might get a negative response or not very much response at all. And that can be, you know, for some people that can be quite heartbreaking, particularly if it's been months or even years of work that's gone into leading up to that push live. Have you had any experiences like that either at Finder or even, you know, separate to that where you've done all the work, it's met all the criteria, you've put it all live and then you just didn't get the result you were looking for? Yeah, lots of times. Um, we, you know, we, we estimated things and it didn't quite work out. Uh, I remember we did a big comparison of wearables. So that was when, you know, watches and those yeah. kind of things there used to be, you know, we did a big comparison of them and no one came. No one, you know, Fitbit versus Apple Watch, no one really cared about it. <laughs> it was strange, you know, we thought someone would, but no one did. And, you know, we did another one on online courses, you know, where you compare where you're going to study, you know, some business course or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And again, no one cared. No one wanted, just, yeah, they just weren't interested on Finder. I think it's changed now. They've, it's started to pick up. But mm-hmm. in the beginning, you know, for like I'd say six, seven years, no one, it's just people didn't want to receive that information from us. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of heartbreaking because you've put so much effort into it and a lot, and there's so much crew here that have worked so hard and to, to make that a reality. But it's just sometimes it doesn't work out. But that's great, right? You know, we know this is not working. Okay, well, clearly our audience or, you know, the finer crew and the customers, they're, they're more interested in other things. And, and, and then we refined our process from that and we did, you know, um, better, better, better sort of testing beforehand. And, and we've gotten a lot better at choosing those comparisons going forward. Awesome. So I'm always interested in this as well. Um, You know, when you've got a team, particularly a large team, and you've got, I would assume, sort of sections of team working on different types of projects and things that are going on. When you do have one of those that where they've been putting a lot of work in and then it doesn't turn out the way that you'd hoped, um, usually as one of the founders of the entrepreneurs, I've found that they tend to be quite quick at sort of pulling the, the learnings from that you know, I put in inverted quotes here, failure, um, so that they can learn and move forward. But how do you translate that across to the team that has been doing all of that legwork? Is that something that you spend a lot of time talking them through? Do you have a process for that? Yes. So in in Finder, there are things called retros. Mm -hmm. Um, So where the team that was working on a project, you can call for a retro and everyone can get together. And in that retro, it's a, it's a no blame retro, right? So we just openly say, you know, what did we do well? What, what, what could we improved? What puzzles us still today? And what actions are we going to take? Right. And, and in that room, you know, in that, in that environment, you can just be straight up because the project's done. And from there we can get learnings and figure out what to go and do next. Yeah. Um, and I just found that, that that's, it's, I guess that looking back as a crew in reflection, it, it enables everyone to, 
Uh, and so I guess this is combined with another thing you find of the second value is to be straight up. Mm-hmm. And being straight up means that at any point in time, no matter what, like if we're in a conversation, if I just start the sentence by saying straight up, you know, I think your podcast is great and I love your logo flick. You know, <laughs> that's a very direct statement, right? Or I can say something, but, but, but a lot of the time in companies, what happens is there are things that people want to say, but they mm-hmm. can't quite say because they feel uncomfortable about saying it. And no matter who they are and no matter what role they take in Finder, at any point in time, they can start a sentence with straight up and everyone will listen. Right. And they want, they want to hear what that person has to say because, and that's what we value at Finder, right? We want to know that. And in the same way, we want to hear, we, we actually, that's where we write on the website. We're straight up. We just provide information. We're direct. We don't sell. And I think that's, the, that's that combination of those two things, right? So the retrospective plus mm-hmm. being straight up, I think creates that reflection like you're talking about and that learning. That's awesome. That's fantastic that that carries through, that ethos carries through your entire company. And you've created an environment where it sounds like you've, you know, build a culture where people can actually communicate and learn very quickly uh, without that process of blame or criticism, which I think is incredibly important, uh, you know, if you're wanting to scale the business in particular as well. That's fantastic. Now, you've also got some tips here. You sort of talking a little bit when I asked you um, about staying well under pressure and you said that you stay calm, you take time out and that you've done some emotional coaching and that you're naturally good under pressure, which you know all makes sense. This is pretty relatively common, I, I find, with a lot of founders that I talk to. They've all got these sorts of qualities and strengths. Um, how do you translate that into your team? Is this something that you try and foster in the people that you select to work with, or is it, do you have in-house programs to help people to cope with stresses better? You know, I... I'm not sure if that's necessarily something you can train. I guess there are processes, you know, we put in place that sort of give structure under those circumstances and that sort of potentially reduces the stress. So, you know, crisis management um, or when something specific happens and, you know, we need to know know a way to deal with it. And, um, you know, I think that's probably how we try to remove that stress. I Mm -hmm. think stress comes when you, it's a product of like, I think, it's a product of where you can't handle pressure. Mm. So pressure is good. I think pressure is like, it, it, you know, pressure creates diamonds, right? Um, and, but then there's a moment where pressure turns into stress where you can't handle the pressure. Yes. And I think under those circumstances, the way you can sort of remove that or ease that out is establishing some sort of, you know, processes to deal with more edge cases and just documenting that. Um, that that tends to be the case. Now, on the other other chance, I think there's sort of a when 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 things do happen as well. The other thing that re- reduces um, stress is a clear path of escalation. Mm-hmm. Right? So, who does someone escalate this problem to? Um, and I think that's that's probably the the other thing. If if and, and and a lot of that comes from I think having a clear organizational structure. I mm-hmm. think if you have a clear organizational structure, you'll know who to escalate something to. You know, a lot of people are like scared about that. And it's like, Oh, you know, let's just have a flat company. I think as a company scales in the early days, that's fine. But as, cause everyone's sort of in the same room, everyone's together, everyone knows you can escalate who to escalate to. But after a while, you know, you hit Dunbar's law, you know, to get that 150 plus people, then it's more difficult for new people to know who to escalate to and where. 
and how and who's responsible for a particular thing. And I think that that's the challenge, I think, as um, a lot of, you know, that's what causes, I guess, stress because you don't have control, you don't know what to do, and you don't know who should do what it is you could do, you know, to potentially address the situation. Mm. Yeah, so it's almost a feeling of helplessness that people get stuck in if they don't have any of those roads to take, which I think probably leads to that feeling of being overwhelmed. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Now, based on everything that you've said so far, I feel I feel a really strong vibe from you that you are a hustler by nature. Is that correct? <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. My... Um, my current partner, she, she, um, she, her name's Brenda. She, she always, um, in the morning, you know, I'm doing something and she'll always wake up in the morning and say, Fred, what are you hustling? You know, and I think one morning I said, uh, you know, tickets to see the show. She's like, she's like, cool. And the next morning it's like, Fred, what are you hustling? I'm like, Oh, I'm trying to buy shares in this company. Cool. You know, Fred, what are you hustling? Oh, I'm trying to buy this car, but I'm not sure. So I'm talking to this guy. I'm trying to meet this guy. What do you, you know, just always, there's probably always something I'm trying to find an angle on to yeah. get an edge. Mm-hmm. So yes. Yes. Okay, good. I love that. Um, I too am a hustler. That's why I'm sort of picking up the, that vibe that you're putting down for sure. And you've obviously had some experience working uh, or building your business in the US. So did you do the sort of Silicon Valley route of things with Finder or did you go to New York? What was your sort of location and, and how did all the US side of things go down for you? You know, we first had a little office in Santa Monica in LA mm-hmm. and, you know, I went there a few times and I just, it just didn't quite click for Finder. I think we need to be closer to the media mm-hmm. and, you know, the thing about America is it's, it's such a big place, but they have expertise of industries, right? So mm-hmm. California is very good. Yes. Silicon Valley for technology, but that's, we weren't really a technology company back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have Hollywood. Um, there and obviously a lot of plastic surgery. If you want to be a plastic surgeon, it's a great place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas New York is much more the media, finance, and now it's becoming you know there's a pretty strong tech scene in New York as well now. Yes. And I think that's where it's changed, right? So we then I you know I remember I got an Airbnb went went over to Jenna Chinatown on the Bowery, um, right in between all the Chinese restaurants where the police uh, the, the jail was. Um, and you know, we set up shop for a month there and we, we started like a startup, you know, just like, a just, just again, went with Jeremy, you know, he's the COO here. Um, Michelle, um, she does all my public relations, you know, we didn't, and we just started from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michelle found an office and we moved into a little office and we just crawled our way up, you know, from the primordial soup of startup <laughs> to being, you know, a, 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 a business, but you know, one step at a time. Um, 100%, you know, New York told me a whole new level of hustle. That's just mm-hmm. confronting in your face. Um, yeah, it's the next level. 100%. And did you find that obviously the culture of doing business anywhere else in the world is going to be different to doing it here in Australia? And I know obviously in America, even from state to state, it's different as well. What was probably, you know, a couple of the big takeaways that you took from how they do business differently over there and in terms of things you maybe have adopted as part of your own style now? I think just being direct. Mm-hmm. You know, New York teaches you to be direct and just say what it is you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, it also um, shows you 
a whole other level of hustle and energy that I, like few places in the world have. You're so close together. There's so many great people there. You know, the city physically picks you up and will throw you out if you're not you know, going up the ladder of New York City. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a constant growth, a constant grind. And, 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 and you know, I think that's great. Um, I learned a lot about having very, very hard conversations, yes. direct conversations, and then turning around and being friends with the, the person you just had that hard conversation with. Um, you know, and I think, I think that's what, that's, that, that's, that's that New York direct vibe that teaches you that. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I've definitely found the same thing from, from spending a few years in the US is that I'm a lot more comfortable now with having those hard conversations. And in fact, I think they're incredibly important to have. Um, and I think quite often you can deepen and strengthen relationships within your own company or with other business partners and stuff just by being willing to actually have that conversation because it shows how, how much you actually care. Uh, but it's, it can be a little bit confronting when you go from the US and you come back to Australia and go, oh, it works at a completely different pace and in a completely different way. So did you find that there was sort of some transition time for you coming back into Australia or were you able to kind of adapt and mould what you'd learnt in America to, to how you run things in Australia easily? Oh, definitely. I, I had a lot, a lot of challenge in learning the, the ways the US operates. Um, very, you're right, very different. I think one of the key differences as well is that your job is everything in America. Yeah. Like if you don't have a job, you fall down to the bottom very quickly. Whereas I think in other countries, it's not quite as quick. Mm. Um, and, and it's just brutal. You know, it's everything stacked upon stacked upon stacked. And so people make different decisions and then you have different negotiations and, you know, people are incentivized much more by money and capital. That's why they, I think it's the, you know, it's the mecca of capitalism, right? It's the, you know, I remember, um, I remember this famous, this guy told me one, this, um, I think it was uh, Gorbachev or someone, he, he got a, a limousine mm -hmm. and he drove down to Wall Street and he, he leant up to his limousine window and he pushed down his window, you know, it, slowly came down, he looked out and he said, ah, the citadel of capitalism. You know, <laughs> that's what they've got in America, in New York City, right? They've got yeah. the, the citadels right there. It's it teaches you about capitalism and the way in which it operates, and the good things and the bad things to it. Yeah. It's actually a very efficient system, um, but it gives you a much more extreme version of it um, compared to, say, you know, Australia or I think the UK is pretty up there as well. But you know, just other parts of the world it teaches you that. Yeah. I agree with you, definitely. Um, I know when, when I first came back, I definitely had to go through a bit of a transition period of just even getting used to the Australian pace again, it being a lot slower and there into some extent mm. a lot more red tape to climb through. Um, I'd gotten quite used to just being able to pick up the phone and arrange to have a coffee with a CEO of some major company very easily. And then here it was like having to step through, you know, six or seven other people before I could actually get to have that conversation. Um, and that was quite eye-opening for me. I know for the first few months, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so slow. Why is everything so slow? But I've come to appreciate the differences between the two. And I now call myself an Aussie can. I'm, the, I'm a blend of the two, an American and an Australian. Ah, <laughs> I love that. So that's great. 
<laughs> um, and, and I would say you're probably much the same by the sounds of it. It sounds like you've taken some stuff away, but you've also sort of kept some of your Australian thinking and culture intact as well. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think you've got to also you can't underestimate um, the British. Mm -hmm. Like you know, the British um, started America and Australia. Right? Yep. They they you know Adam Smith, I'm pretty sure was Scottish, right? You know, mm -hmm. you know the wealth, the wealth. He wrote the Wealth of Nations, and the whole idea is they're very capitalistic in in um, in, in the United Kingdom. They're 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 extremely good at it as well. They just they just do a bit more socialism, I think, than maybe the um, the the Americans do. But they're damn good at capitalism as well. Don't mm -hmm. you know? I wouldn't underestimate them. People, got, you know, you got to remember the middle of 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 England actually produces large amounts of um, industrial goods you know yeah. formula one is uh, most of the formula one car makers are in the uk most of the you know there's a lot of um great companies and a lot of great um, industries that are actually built out of um uh united kingdom mm -hmm. so you know i wouldn't underestimate them yeah that's very very true and you're right like i mean they've they largely started a lot of what we are living in and have experienced. So there's, there's a lot there and I'm sure they're going to continue to, to kind of have a huge piece of the pie without a doubt. Now, uh, I just wanted to ask you a last couple of questions before we finish up, Fred. Uh, one of the big ones is that, you know, I'm always interested with people that have started companies, particularly companies that have gone on to be quite successful what they wish they had have known ahead of time. You know, if, if it was a piece of advice, for example, people that are listening to this podcast right now who might be looking at either starting a business or scaling a business that they've already started, uh, what's, what's a piece of advice that you could give them, something you wish you had have known before you got started that could be helpful for them? I think the one of the centerpieces is eventually you as an individual will become the biggest barrier to scaling your company, your personal and emotional um, development will become the biggest inhibitor because, you know, you'll become the, um, the, the, the rate limiting factor because you can't handle either one, your role changing or two, you know, certain things happening and you, you know, you say certain things, you can't, you, you, you react instead of respond mm -hmm. and committing to emotional growth early. I wish I started a little earlier. Um, I started five years ago with, I have an emotional coach. He's a great guy, Craig. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, one of the issues, but is I didn't think that I thought I was, I could handle all situations mm -hmm. and rationally you can, but if the, if the body and the mind aren't aligned, then you have these problems start to emerge. And I think that was something which I, I went through a lot and, and, and slowed me down, but you know, now I'm here. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad that you've sort of um, even put it in those terms. It's so true. Uh, it's the kind of thing that we hear a lot with entrepreneurs along their journey is that it's when they recognize that the mind and the body have got to be working together and that there's got to be a sense of kind of growth and resilience and even just self-care along the way um, if they don't do that there's a lot of pitfalls that start to actually appear and they can actually really become the reason why their company doesn't succeed or it doesn't scale or why they have cultural sort of um, 
issues within the company within teams and factions forming. So I love that you've recognized that and that you've actually also addressed it as well. So kudos to you for that because a lot of people don't take that step and actually address it. Um, and that's great because it means you're mirroring that to your, your teams. They're all learning from you because you're the leader. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're setting a good example. That's awesome. Um, now, final question as well. I know that you have been working on sort of a product, and I know this probably means, you know, quite a bit to you. And I, this is a two-part question, Fred. So I'd love to know what it is that inspired you to build the Finder app and what it means to you personally to know that it's out in the world? You know, I, I think um, we've always built, you know, and done great marketing at Finder because, because great marketing requires great developers, engineers, designers, as well as marketers themselves, PR crew. It, it requires all those people coming together to make great marketing, right? And I think that's something I was very proud of. And I think this app is, a, is really... To me, for me personally, is a moment where we've decided to become a technology company as well. Right. Finder, Finder wasn't, it was more of a marketing company before, but now we're a marketing and a technology company. And I'm excited about that. I think it's just such an incredible, great, you know, thing to become because, you know, it's something I've always wanted us to do is build great products and services to, to help people, you know, make better decisions in, the, in their life. That's awesome. That's, I, I love that you've got kind of really big dreams and clearly you're chasing after them and congratulations on, on launching the app. I know, I know firsthand from seeing, you know, the app development in Silicon Valley and things like that, just how much actually goes into it from every sort of factor, every person involved in the business. So um, big kudos and hats off to you for doing that because it's, it's, it's a mammoth task for any company. <laughs> oh, been a big journey and actually not not to me it's to, it's the crew that built it um they're sitting behind me now um and they're, they're 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 the ones that make make the magic happen oh that's great fantastic well fred it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast thank you so much for sharing your time with myself and of course everyone that's listening today i'm sure that anyone that's sort of involved in business uh, or looking to get involved in business will certainly be pulling plenty of nuggets i know myself i've written down lots of quotes from what you said fred so um good fantastic yeah so thank you for that and uh of course is there anywhere that you should you should want to suggest people to go to look for the app or just head onto your website is that where people uh, if you yeah if you go to finder.com.au slash app there's a page there and you can choose between you know android and ios um whichever one you're you, you use and then um, you can download the app right there there is a code right now and i'll share that with you it's fred friends and you can put that in and so for everyone on your, who's listening they can get a get, get into the get in and skip the weights right now amazing awesome bonus love that thank you for sharing that with our crew so everyone listening make sure that you go back rewind listen to that bit again go straight in get yourself on now rather than having to be part of that waiting list. It's amazing. So thank you again, Fred, and best of luck as you continue scaling and growing the business. I have absolutely no doubt that you're going to go on and just keep killing it because you're doing amazing things already. And as I said, thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. Oh, it's been an honor. You guys, you're incredible. And I love your podcast. Oh, thank you so, so much. All right. You have a fantastic day. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
Well, fellow humans, I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed this episode with Fred and myself on the Human Experience Podcast. Now, if it is something that you did enjoy or there was some major takeaway that you had from this particular episode, we would greatly appreciate your feedback. It's how we actually go out and source our guests and work out what it is that you want to listen to. So you can head to our Instagram page. The handle is at the human experience podcast, all one word, all lowercase, no punctuation, nice and easy. Jump on there. We'll of course have all the links to the different episodes and to all of our guests so that you can go online and find out a bit more about them and build relationships with them as well. We know that that's such a big and important part of anybody's human experience. But you can also leave your feedback, leave any questions, any comments on there. We would love to get to know what your takeaways are from these episodes. And again, thank you so much for sharing your time, your brain space and your energy with us. So let's just keep doing this together. Let's just keep being human together. 